set. Kicks the 1-1 pitch. Fly ball deep left field. Yes, and there she goes. Blue Jays six, Rangers three. Jose Bautista is unbelievable. So that was October 14th, 2015. The bat flip home run. That was uh, Jerry Howarth with the call. Six-year anniversary of Joey Bat's bat flip. And, um, I mean, a lot has happened to this franchise since then, obviously, Kevin Barker. But the reason I wanted to play that is a lot of the stuff you see in baseball now, I, I, you know, I watch Fernando Tatis round the bases. I watch Vladdy Jr. round the bases. And... Nobody even thinks twice about the stuff they do, like the little stutter steps and the shimmy shake and all that. We don't yeah. even we don't even point it out anymore. But if you look back to the and and bat flips, I mean everybody bat flips. Rowdy Tellez bat flips. Um, that home run, Batista's reaction to it, the Rangers' reaction to his reaction to it the social media reaction on the part of other players that watched it was kind of a, and it wasn't a defining moment for baseball, but it really was. It's almost like it was the, the play that gave players license to be a little more, to be a little more themselves themselves. Yeah. To be a little more emotion, not emotional. It's a bit to be more, yeah, to be more themselves. That's right. Live in the moment. Don't be afraid to to go outside the box a little bit. Don't you know when I played it was you hit a home run unless you're Barry and you could do twirls at the plate and <laughs> and stand and, and watch a home run till it landed in the bay. You know that, but that's a different guy. There was only one or two of those guys. Now there's a lot of them. To your point, there's you know you got 22 year olds now who stutter step before they hit the third <laughs> base bag. You know they're they're doing all these weird things to the third base coach and. Yeah, it's look. I like it. I think it's fun. Yeah, Jose Batista's. You know, we remember that because he got punched in the face because because of that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that. that's that's sort of why that's that's, that's the reason why we we you know we remember that as much as we do. And if you're a Blue Jays fan, you you obviously remember that. I, I just every time I hear that when, when I, and I close my eyes, the sound of the ball coming off the bat. Yeah. That that was the thing that I remember. Me and you standing around the batting cage, and and we can have our back back turned. To when they were taking batting practice, and when when Jose Batista stood in the in the batting cage and would take batting practice, the sound was different. It's like Ryan Klesko. Whenever I, I played for the uh, the Padres, and you know I was on field twelve, and he was on field one, and you could actually hear him taking batting practice because of the sound off the bat. And that's that's the one thing. You know, it's it's the 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 crowd roaring and and the just the sound of the bat off the the the, the ball off the bat is is second to none. And I'm with you. He he started all of this, so we can blame Jose Batista for all the the handshakes and the and the bat flips. And I mean, I, it's funny because I was as you were talking that I I remember when Jeffrey Leonard played, and this is like back in the late '80s, I guess or early '90s, and the Hackman, as he was called, Jeffrey Leonard, and uh, 1987 in particular, the National League Championship Series. He'd run around the bases and he'd keep one arm down. Mm-hmm. You know, like Edwin had the parrot. Yep. 
Leonard would have the one arm down. They called it flops down. And people made a big deal about this. Like it was, they weren't, you know, he claims that he just kind of started doing it because his arm was sore one day and didn't feel like moving. Eh, that's kind of funny. But people always used to mention it. And it wasn't like people would come out, come out and say, oh, my God, he's showing up the game or anything like that. But that was how rare it was for guys to do anything different after mm-hmm. they hit a home run, that people noticed it. Like now, if a dude ran around the bases with one arm at his side after home run, you don't even got. notice it. I That's how you got, got exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one would even, no one would even right. make a big deal about it. But it was such a big deal that Joe Garagiola, the late Joe Garagiola, when he was a broadcaster, he was a guy that said, there goes Jeffrey Leonard, flaps down again. Yeah, but when I, when, you, know, you know as well as anybody, you've covered this game forever. You, you, when I played, it was you had to earn the right to do that. Like you had to have serious numbers. You had to consistently, you know, have just astronomical numbers. You hit a bunch of homers. You drive in a bunch of runs. You sort of earned the right to do little weird things when you ran around the bases. How long it took you to to run around them? Oh it's, God, yeah. You know, it's those, those kind of things. Now it's you're you're if you're not doing it, people are asking why aren't you doing it? So it's you know times have changed. Yeah, they they have. Maybe a lot of things have changed. Uh, I mean, just the fact that, that, you know, there's so many home runs hit now. I think that that's part of it. But, you know, everybody talks about how you wouldn't do that when Nolan Ryan or Bob Gibson were on the mound, things like yeah. that. There's some guys on the mound now that throw hard, but the guys who throw hard, the pitchers also aren't afraid in some cases to shimmy shake, to and, shimmy shake right? Yeah. So it's pretty hard to pretty hard to erupt at a at a hitter for doing that when the pitcher's doing the same thing or vice versa. But yeah, it, it, it was remarkable how if you go back and look at all the stuff that was written and said after Jose Bautista's, Bautista's home run, I mean, you would think it was like a huge cultural moment for baseball. Right. And all the dude did really was, hey, he, it was a, it was a great moment, and he, he flipped his bat. There were a million things Jose Bautista could have done in that moment. But that bat flip, given what had happened leading up to that, given the emotion in that ballpark and everything, that bat flip summed up the moment perfectly. That was kind of a, I don't want to use the word, blank you to the Texas Rangers, sure, sure to, just, to just the way the, the game had gone. Everything was going against the Blue Jays, and, and uh, it remains, it, it really does remain uh, a, a remarkable moment. I mean, there are a lot of things. I, I, I remember Russ Martin. Remember Russ Martin had that play where he th- tried to throw the ball back to home plate. It hit Shinshu Chu's arm, and then, you know, a run came in and all this stuff, and thing was, things were going out of control. And I always remember Russ Martin when Batista hits the home run, and Russ talks about there's a signer. Before Russ goes on the field with everybody else, he's just, he's you know, he's making Thank the you. prayer sign. Thank you, God, and he's looking <laughs> up like that because all of a sudden yeah. Russ Martin's play becomes a quirky little quirky little part of baseball history. Yeah, but not the turning point. No. Nope. So anyhow, six years ago today, and, um, well, who knows? Maybe we'll get another, maybe we'll get another moment like that tonight. Uh, certainly the series is set up for that the the Dodgers and the Giants game five tonight from Oracle Park 907 right here on Sportsnet winner goes on to face the Atlanta Braves in the National League Championship Series the American League Series is set something we want to clear up right away Kevin because we were talking about this a little bit off air home field advantage we're going to walk you through it because it's not as simple as it, it is in a lot of other sports 
for the championship series, for all the series leading up to the World Series, the rule of thumb is the wild card team cannot have home field advantage. So it doesn't matter if the wild card team has 6,000 wins and the team they're playing against won a division with 20 wins. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But the point is, if the Dodgers win, they're the wild card team. They got more wins than Atlanta, but Atlanta still gets home field in the National League Championship Series because they're they're the division champion. But that's different in the World Series. Different in the World Series. In the World Series, it's regular season record that counts, winning percentage to be exact. And then there's a complicated tiebreaker system, which we don't have to worry about. So uh, that means that a wild card team, in the case of the Dodgers with 106 wins, uh, if they do win the National League Championship Series, they got to get there first, but if they do win it, they would have home field advantage against uh, – they have more wins in Houston off the top of my head. I think they do. They right? do, yeah. Yeah, so they would have home field advantage. So th- that's where it gets complicated. All you need to remember is up to the World Series, the wild card team can't have home field advantage. Once you get to the World Series, and I understand this is odd, but once you get to the World Series, the rules change and it becomes regular season winning percentage. So that's about as you know as 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 simple as as simple as we yeah, can. Yeah, I, li- I like how it. you threw Houston in there, not the Red Sox. I, I see I, I see what you did. Purely accidental. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Tell you what we have on the show today. Jeff Francoeur, MLB postseason analyst with TBS, is also Braves analyst. Uh, he worked the Atlanta series alongside Don Orsillo and uh, Matt Weiner. Don Orsillo and Jeff Francoeur were terrific in that series. Mm-hmm. It was a great pairing, uh, which doesn't surprise me, knowing a little bit of knowing Don and and uh, and Jeff a little bit. Jeff Francoeur will be along, and we'll we'll talk about the Braves and. and who is the better matchup for the Braves, the Giants or the Dodgers? If you're the Braves right now, you know, that that wrapping that series up, they're going to be able to have Charlie Morton and Max Fried going in regular rest, which at, at this time of the year is is huge. We'll talk to Jeff about yep. that. Eleven thirty, Sean Estes, San Francisco Giants TV analyst, of course, former Major League pitcher, will be along. We'll talk about uh, tonight's pitching matchup in particular. And uh, we'll talk about Logan Webb and the year he's had for the Giants. This I'm I'm looking forward to this game. I only wish it was on a little earlier. I understand 9:07, the West Coast is 6:07, so I, I understand folks out west are saying Crimea River, you Eastern Time Zone snobs. I get it, <laughs> but uh, it'll be Julio Urias against Logan Webb. And I have I have, I mean I just admit, Bark, I have no idea who's going to win this. I, I thought the Giants would win the series. I thought it would go five. I I have no idea. Yeah, that, I have you, no clue. I, I hate to say this, but it may come down to the manager making the right move. When do you take the starter out? When do you not take the starter out? That that's the question. If one of those teams are losing, their starting pitcher is dominating. Gave up a say it's one nothing in the fifth, and you know Gabe Kapler's got to make a decision on if he taking out Logan Webb or not. That that's the big decision for me because you got to figure right now both teams are throwing their best arms. There, you you could you could argue with with the Dodgers. They got a couple of more choices to go to. Yes, but but Urias, look look when when he pitches, they win. Like that's he's that's, off. He's just he's, he's so, really he's, he's good. He's, I mean, that's the only way. He's just filthy. He's figured it out. You know he he has a breaking ball that he tunnels off the four seamer that he elevates. It's impossible to tell the difference between the two. Uh, you know he he eliminates left handed hitters, which is a big deal. He can pitch end to righties. He he is. 
He's got a lot of confidence. He he's familiar with pitching in in you know Oracle Park, which is a big deal this time of the year. You got to have confidence on that mound. Every mound's different. All of those things. Yeah, it's a. I hate to say it this because sometimes you know how I feel about managers. I think they got to leave it up to the players, but will they? That's the question. Like you, you're going to see some, you're going to see it churning between the ears, and that decision on. You know, we saw Tony. Tony LaRusso might have taken out his starter a little bit too early. We saw that a little bit too late on one occasion. Well, that happened tonight. That for me will be the determining factor because it's going to be a close game, but it's not going to be a blowout. Let Logan Webb knows enough about the sinker slider, the changeup, uh, the arm angle on that, the confidence that he has at home. He's really good at home. His last 20, 21 starts, I mean, they're 19 and two in his last 21 starts. He's been off the charts good. So he's going to be rolling in there and they're going to be running the towels and at home. Going to have that to feed off of. If he can just control the adrenaline a little bit, being 24 years old, that'll be the one thing. And I think it'll be close. And I do think it'll come down to the managers. Um, I want to ask you before we, before we go a little deeper into these series, um, I want to talk about managers. Now, there's some managerial openings right now in the game. Um, and, and obviously, the Mets and the Padres are the most, uh, are, are the ones, we, do, we don't know about the Yankees. There seems to be an indication now that they probably won't be there. But unless, I suppose, unless Aaron Boone woke up one morning and said, maybe, maybe I like to manage in San Diego. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I, I want out mm. of New York. Um, but it, it, it's fascinating reading some of the early, <clears throat> some of the early articles written by national writers on these managerial openings and the names we're hearing are Ron Washington, former manager infield coach with the Braves now, who's about 70 mm-hmm. Buck Showalter, your favorite, my favorite, uh, John Gibbons has been mentioned. I, John Gibbons, I think will be interviewed for at least probably interviewed for both of those jobs, given where those teams are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm wondering, you know, what's happened to the idea that to manage in baseball, you had to be kind of a young numbers guy. You had to be almost Gabe Kapler or, or Jace Tingler. You look at the guys around the game. It almost seems now, Kevin, is you know, I, I, people are looking at the, at the postseason. They're going Brian Snicker, career minor league guy. Yeah. They're looking at Dusty, Tony La Russa, whatever you think of him. He was... You know, he he was still in there. I'm wondering if maybe there aren't we aren't seeing kind of a a a shift in baseball where the the older manager is kind of becoming a little coming in in, in vogue a little more now. Maybe people are saying, you know what, we got all these young uh, Yale and Harvard educated Ivy League guys in the front office. Maybe it's actually good to have an older guy down there who can, you know, call BS on some of their stuff, or at least have an idea of how to how to how to deal with people. Yeah, I think it all depends on where your organization's at. Like, just say, like the Padres, for example, they're a finished product. Like, they're, they're, it's all about winning now. It's not about development. No, it's Bruce Bochy's another they, name. I think they need a guy who's gone to the World Series to take over they, that team. They need experience. They? they need a a grown up in the room. That's for me what the Padres don't have. They they didn't have even their GM. They don't. They just don't have the guy that walks in the room and everybody stops what they're doing because they mm-hmm. think he's going to talk. They need that. The, the, certain teams need that as, as a finished product. It's not always about the player. It's about who's running it, who's the the face of it, who's going to speak more than everybody else. That's in front of the media. Got to be a good talker. 
Like Bruce Bochy's a good talker. When he talks, media's mm-hmm. going to stop and listen. Fans are going to stop and listen. Big-time players on the left side of the infield are going to stop and listen. That, for me, is what they're needing. Even Buck Showalter. Like, I, I know how you feel about him and what, but what he, he commands, is. But he, he walks into the room Man, and Man, you know. Manny Machado, he's been around that. He knows how to handle that. That, for me, point. he'd be a really good fit with the Padres because, because of all the reasons I just mentioned. The and the Man, other thing about Showalter, I just want to jump into. The other thing about Showalter I want to mention as well. You know, all kidding aside, this guy was the manager of the New York Yankees when Derek Jeter and all those guys came in. Like he has had experience dealing with young superstar players on a big stage. Yeah. And I don't think for me, the Mets in New York, you you can't have the players running that. That's a harder, that to me is a harder one to figure out. San Diego. I think we know what you need in San Diego. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that would work in New with York. All the right? off, uh, with all the off-field situations they've had, the, the the raccoon and and you know what what took place with the thumbs down, just seems like they need a grown up. They 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 need somebody telling them how to go about their everyday business. Maybe Lindor can't do that. Maybe that, mm. that's not in his game. Maybe he's a baseball player first. He's not a a lead by example guy. Maybe he's not a leader in the clubhouse. I have no idea because I'm not there. Right. But I do know what I've seen. And if you're a fan of baseball and you've been around any clubhouse and any, you know, scheduled, you know, structured program, and you look at the way the Mets are run by the players, you can't like what you're seeing. You need a grown-up there. And, and sort of the – you get back to that Buck thing, the Buck Showalter. He'd be a good fit there too. Oh, he's managed in New York. Yeah. He knows he's he knows the media. He can play the media game. Uh, the same thing with John Gibbons differently, but Gibbons can play the media game. Uh, all of those guys, Wash can Wash is like Dusty Baker. Ron Washington is is yeah. is a beloved baseball figure. Ron, I just remember in Texas, is not very good at handling a pitching staff. I I, I just that, that's that's the one thing that stood out to me. Yes, he he overused a lot of guys when he didn't need to do that. Yeah, you got a nine nothing lead. Your starter don't need to be out there in the eighth inning. And uh, and and Boach, of course, has been there, done it. He's uh. The, the, a Padre, the, he 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 was a Padre through and through before I don't know he joined about the you, Giants. But when I get his, his Bochy in his seventies, when, when you're in your seventies or close to your seventies, is handling the New York media something you'd like to do every day? Yeah, no, I, and and again, Boch is a Boch is a sure California either. guy. Now I know that I think he spends a lot of time in Florida now as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, he he's as I said, he's part of the furniture in San Diego and San Francisco. Uh, Bochy is. 66. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's, he'll be he'll be 67 on. It's on the fringe of that day. of that. Does, is that what he wants to? But it's interesting eh, how, how before we used to always look at who's the next bright young manager coming up. And now maybe it's because of it, it's just it's just kind of where we are in the cycle. A lot of teams that have spent a lot of money and have cornerstone players. Aren't winning. And maybe that's the reason that we've gone. We've gone more now towards towards the established I, veteran guy. I think a lot of that, too, is baseball's really young. The, the superstars of baseball, mm-hmm. if, you, if you name, go through names. Most of them are really young. You, young people need guidance. Yeah. They, they need the grown-up in the room to, to basically tell you a structure to figure out your day to make you go between the lines and be the best player you're going to be because they're trying to learn that on the fly. They're trying to learn at the big league level when their peers are just as good as they are. And sometimes you need a little bit more structure and an older person can give you their, that who's been there and done it before. But again, for me, it's all about where your, where your organization's at. If you're a rebuilding team, that young 
energetic, you know, analytics-driven manager, it's a good thing because he's going to learn with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not about winning. The teams that you mentioned, it's all about winning. They're, they're a finished product. Now now it's just about the face, the, the, the leader when it comes to raising their hand. And for me, that's exactly what the Padres need first and foremost. And obviously the Mets need that too. Yeah, that that I I don't know about that situation. Uh, if I was looking, there's only so many managerial jobs. If one comes up and you're offered it, you're going to take it. But ah. does Bochy need the money? Does, no. does Buck Showalter need the money? Is that is that what it's all about, or is it about you? You look at where your team's at, who you're going to bring in, who your owner is. If you're the like, there's a lot goes into that with older managers who've been there and done it before, yeah. who aren't doing it because of the money, because of they're trying to establish themselves as a manager. Most of the big names that are in that are already established. They're not really going about it that way. It's I would think with Bochi going, for example, to San Diego, it would almost have to be. I'm going to help. This franchise has been an important part of my life. I've got a chance to help him here. You know, the only thing with Boach, you know him as well as I do. I mean, the guy's got like a thousand artificial body parts because he's just—he's a broken down old catcher. He, he is. He, he's he's a broken he's a down great, old catcher. He's a great human. He's a great human. But I just don't. You know, did, does he want to? Does he want to sit in a plane for uh, eighty? You know, now, how, however many now days. I will say wham to that because it is no, but you know, private I, jets and, yeah, and but on the other hand, first class seats and you get lobster and filet mignon. I mean, that's a little bit of wham on that five star thing. But well, on the other hand, though, if you're that you, age and, and you what what you're doing this as opposed to being on the golf course, you can win yeah, a fifth World Series. A three, I, a three year, nine million dollar deal wouldn't wouldn't hurt to to persuade your old bones to be able to. You know, cane your way up the steps to get on the plane. <laughs> how how on earth is this going to tie in with the commissioner's <laughs> desire to speed up baseball games? How You're going to have managers with walkers going yeah. out onto the going out. I mean, that would be a great thing it if you wanted awesome. to steal a couple of extra warm up pitches for your reliever. <laughs> here here comes Bruce Bochy. We'll take a break. <laughs> We'll be back with more Padres baseball. <laughs> they could, you could sell. Yeah. You know, the uh, American Association of Retired Persons is sponsoring this pitching change with Bruce Bochy. We'll be back in uh, three minutes. But uh, any, no, it, it'll it'll be fun to see fun to see where it goes. I, I I hope we see those guys back in the game again because I I think they're good yeah. for the game. Uh, but as as I said, I I it's. I just never thought, I mean, I never thought I'd see, I didn't think I'd see Dusty Baker managing again. Bruce Bochy doesn't surprise me. I never thought I'd see Ron Washington be mentioned. I got to tell you the God's honest truth. I didn't think, and and this is nothing against John. I just didn't think that you would be able, that there would be a managerial opening and Jim Duquette would have John Gibbons listed as one of his, you know, one one of his choices to be interviewed for the job. And And that's no disrespect to John. I just thought the next guy would have to be, Gabe Kapler. I mean, I didn't think there'd yeah. be too many more Charlie Montoyos if you, you gotta, want to you know. You gotta the also truth. remember too, like Ron Washington, you know, you don't want to waste his talent. It is is being a manager getting the fullest out of Ron Washington. You you know, if you walked up to a middle infielder who's had Ron Washington as their coach. Mar- hey, Marcus Semyon. Uh, there it is. Ron Washington uh, well, saved uh, Marcus Semyon's there, career. There you go. You I mean you can go through the line with the Braves. How they talk about Ron Washington, just to getting them through, you know, what it takes to be a middle infielder and what all of the things that go into being the best middle infielder or infielder that you can be. If you're an organization, why would you want to let that go? Like you, you may overpay him to keep him there 
just so he wouldn't go to be a manager. It's interesting. And also with Gibby. What can Gibby say in an interview to get him ahead of those guys? Because they have more clout. A couple of a couple of those buck. You know, those, those guys Gibby have can say I kick there. Buck's ass. <laughs> yeah, but actually all Gibby has to say is, well, I'll tell you what, if I was managing that game, I Zach Britton would have been in it. But he also has managed the Blue Jays. I don't know, no offense, but it's not the yeah. it's not New York. It's that's a big media market, though. It is. But I just that'd be interested to be a fly on the wall when Gibby's having his interview, because he'll have one. What he could say to change either one of those organizations' mind. Pretty simple business if we get down to it. Yes, it those is. Guys that got all those complicated answers, are kidding you. That would be John. That would be John's. Uh, that would be his answer. That probably me. wouldn't work. Not this time. Like that might have worked ten years ago. That's my point. Is like, what could he? If you're sitting at home and you're Gibby and you're going, okay, I want to be myself, but I also want to get the job. And times have changed. That's my point. Yeah, like, 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 if you, like the veteran guys, the older guys who have been there and done it, don't have to change. The John Gibbons of the world who will go in and want to interview and actually are interviewing for the job That's fair. has to say something to put yourself ahead of these, and you want to stay with the curve. How do you do that? That's If I'm Gibby, I'm sitting at home. I want to be myself. You know, Gibby's cool. Like, he says cool things, and you want to listen to Gibby. But these organizations are ran differently now. You know it, and everybody else knows it. So you got to you got to speak the language. Can Gibby speak the language? That's the question. Yeah. No, that is. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I I think of uh, I've told you this story about Josh Donaldson and and uh, and Troy Tulowitzki around the batting cage in Steinbrenner Field talking to Reggie Jackson and talking to Reggie afterwards, Reggie said, you know, you, you've got to know, you've got to understand how to speak to the kids. And he said, I, I, I walked past our batting cage and I got all these guys doing leg lifts. I got all these guys, <clears throat> pardon me, doing what Josh Donaldson's doing. I can't talk to them about it. I can't understand what they're saying to me. So I got to talk to the guy. So I got to go to the source to find out what he says, to pick his brain. And, and you're right. Oh, part of it now is, and I think John Schneider's talked about this as well. You got limited attention spans, so you can't you can't piss away time. You've got this guy's attention for ninety seconds. You got to be able to say, "This is what you're doing. This is what I think you can do. This is how you go about doing it." Boom. You you can't spin it with a story and say, "Well, you know, when I played in yeah. in, Cause, in cause, Omaha, I used to do that." You you can't do that anymore. You know as well as anybody in these interviews, these these organizations that are going to give them scenarios, especially Gibby. And say if this scenario comes up, how would you handle it? And if Gibby says I'm going with guts, that ain't gonna work. That's my point here. And can Gibby, Gibby do that? We all we love Gibby. Yep. We love hearing Gibby talk. You want to listen to Gibby talk? And and most players respect Gibby, and he would he would demand that in the room. But these organizations are looking for a little bit of both. And can Gibby adjust? That's the question. Buck Showalter, Ron Washington, John Gibbons, Bruce Bochy. Of those four. Who do you think will be managing there? And who do you who do you think right now will be managing Buck. next year? Show Walter's the only one. I I think so. I I think the, I Ron. I, look, I, I just don't see it. I think he's he, he's more beneficial as a coach mm-hmm. for more, most organizations, not as not as a manager. No no offense to him. Uh, Bochi, look, he'd have to want to do it if he yep. wants to do it. He's probably going to San Diego. He'd have an opportunity to do that. But I just think Buck. You think Buck? You think Mets? At least for me. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you in that. I'd love to see Boach back in the game. Obviously, I'd like to see Gibby back in the game. But the of the four, the guy that 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 seems to me 
has done the type of stuff you do to keep your profile and show people you're interested, Buck's all over TV, I'm with you. To me, Buck Showalter's the guy, and I I would not at all be surprised if Buck Showalter ends up getting the Mets job. It seems to me to be a perfect fit. The Atlanta Braves are sitting back and waiting to see the winner of tonight's game between the Giants and the Dodgers to decide who they will be facing in the National League Championship Series. We know the American League Series starts on Friday with the Red Sox and the Astros. So the question, who would the Braves rather see, the Dodgers or the Giants? Jeff Francoeur is MLB postseason analyst with TBS. He's also the Braves TV analyst. He joins us next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. So while we're all sitting here looking ahead to game five of the Giants-Dodgers series, the Atlanta Braves are sitting at home getting ready to uh, to take on the winner of that series. And you'll you'll have to forgive the Braves if if it is the Dodgers. The Braves will look at the Dodgers and go, oh, not these guys again. Um, this would be their... Third post, if the Dodgers win, it would be their third postseason meeting in the past four years. Uh, If you go back to 2018, the Los Angeles beat Atlanta in four games in the NLDS, shutting out Atlanta twice. Last year, of course, the Braves were up 3-1 to in the NLCS, and, uh, boy, they they seem to have the Dodgers on the brink, and we all all know what happened. The Dodgers came back to win in seven games, and... uh, won the series eventually on Cody Bellinger's tie-breaking homer in the seventh inning. So these two teams clearly know each other. There's a great deal of recent postseason history. So that begs the question, Kevin Barker, the question we will ask of our next guest, Jeff Francoeur. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Our our our, our question is very, very simple. If, if, if uh, you're Brian Snitker or Alex Anthopoulos or Charlie Morton or whoever, and you're watching that game tonight, who are you cheering for? Who do you want to face, the Giants or the Dodgers? That's the million-dollar question, right, guys? <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I, you know, look, from a, from a matchup standpoint, you know, you tell yourself if the Giants win tonight and Logan Webb is not available till a game three. So even though you would go out to San Fran for game one and two, whereas, you know, if the Dodgers win, the Braves would host game one and two um, here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But with that being said – you also would get Max Scherzer and Walker Buehler game one and two. Uh, so it's kind of pick your point. Look, I, I think a lot of people here, you just talked about the history with the Dodgers. I'm sure they would love to, to you know, beat the Dodgers. It, it's something about the, it hasn't matched up well um, for the Braves when it's come to that. With that being said, I think the way Charlie Morton, Max Freed, and Ian Anderson are throwing the ball – I think this is a little better team playing them than than in the years past. Even though, you know, this team was at Braves team was at 500 for four months this year. You know, when they got all those trades and the pickups, it, it became really a completely different team. Jeff, you think this little bit of time off for the Braves helps or hurts them? Well, I think it helps because of what Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, had to do in those four games worth the Brewers, and that's 
throw Matzik and Luke Jackson in every game. They pitched in all four games. Will Smith pitched in three out of the four. You know, Morton came back on three days rest. So the one thing, give credit, the Braves kind of threw their main guys out there. You never saw a lot of the middle bullpen guys, which which favored them. But at the same time, you know, that's a lot of throwing. And it kind of reminds you last year, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, who I called last year with the American League, and they kept going to him, kept going to him, and eventually those guys in the pen kind of ran out of gas. So I, I do think those guys needed the rest. Okay, who who would be their game four starter? Will, will they use bullpen or will it be a, a starter, a conventional starter? Well, I think now that you're not in a, in a you know, five-game series, I think it's going to be a bullpen guy. I would think, you know, Waskar Enoa for six, seven weeks for the Braves is one of their best pitchers, and, you know, in Milwaukee back in May, he punched the punched the uh, bench and, and broke his hand and was out three months and really hasn't been the same guy since he's come back. And, you know, he's the one that came in for one inning uh, in game four and gave up the two-run homer to Rowdy Telez. So, you know, I, I think you're going to see a bullpen game in game four, and, and then you'll have, you know, your guys back with, you know, whoever you want. I, you're going to see Max Freed in game one. So Freed's lined up for one and five, and you got Morton probably for two and six. Jeff, what, what did you think when, when, when the Major League trade deadline passed uh, this year and you saw what Alex Anthopoulos had done? You know, we had Alex on the show, and he talked about the importance of it. He, he, he didn't want to punt in the year, but – realistically there were also only only so many things he could do as he said I'm, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to replace Ronald Acuna obviously and Ozuna's not there and you're not going to go out and replace one guy with one guy uh, you, you've got to work on the idea that you're going to increase your depth you're going to increase your managerial options but when all those deals were made did you sit back and think okay this is you know this is a team that is primed to, to go into the playoffs well, I will tell you this, I, for for watching him for four months, I am I kind of said I almost would have punted. I'm going to be honest with you. The, with the way they were playing, the way things were going, it seemed like, you know, for three years everything went right, and all of a sudden everything was going wrong, uh, losing guys, you know, losing pitchers. And, and Alex said, you know, back they were four games out behind the Mets, and he's like, I'm going to give my guys a shot to, to win and to win this thing. And, I'll tell you what, give them a lot of credit. But also, look, the Braves started playing better. They started playing more to the expectations. And that was kind of the one thing I think you could have said. They, for the first four months, they were probably the most, you know, underachieving team in baseball. I mean, they had a lot of talent, even without. You had Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, even without Acuna. Uh, and they weren't getting the job done. With that being said, you saw their run differential and what it was. And you had to believe at some point. Um, a little bit like the Blue Jays, when when people thought, you know, they came out of their run differential was so much that you knew at some point things were going to turn mm. and they were going to win ball games. And, and for the Braves, it did. And, and these guys, like you said, you don't replace a Ronald Acuna. But all of a sudden, when you get Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, Jack Peterson, Rosario, you lengthen the lineup. And that's what they did. And, and it was huge for them. How, how do you think the Braves and Brian Snicker should use Jock Peterson? Well, I'll tell you what, I, he, he, we saw what he did off the bench, but the big blow for the Braves now with Jorge Soler testing positive for COVID, um, you know, I, you're going to see him start. You're going to see him and Rosario uh, both in there. Now, 
you know, if they play the Dodgers um, or the Giants, whether it's Alex Wood, Julio Urias, and they face a lefty, then I think you'll see uh, Heredia in there in center, and probably Jock would be on the bench. But you know, with the way those with the way those two are swinging the bat, both Rosario and Jock, you know, now it's kind of sets up nice first righties to have them both in there. There was an interesting article written by Mike uh, Petriello of uh, of um, MLB.com talking about how the I'm sorry, not the Giants, the Braves, Jeff, all of a sudden this year around May, they, they just started to shift. They were a team that didn't use the defensive shift a great deal, um, certainly compared to other teams in baseball. Same thing in April. But then if you look at the numbers, it's 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 it, it, it's like a it's just completely it was like somebody woke up and said okay everybody shift um you've seen you you've seen this 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 team a lot does that explain why this team has has become better defensively and can you just maybe tell us sort of what the reaction was to that well i think two things i think yes i think the one thing that i i believe alex antopoulos and brian snicker have is a great relationship from an analytical standpoint but also I love how Alex gives Snit the final say and hey, you're the one ultimately that has to sit in front of the podium and, and say why you made this decision. And, you know, I think they work well together. And then number two is Ron Washington has not got enough credit for the job he does with that infield. I'm telling you, you go out there every day during the playoffs or the last Sunday of the season when, you know, you knew your starters were going to play two innings or two at bats and come out yet they were still out there going over the defensive stuff, doing their defensive drills, you know, and, and that's why I would love to see Ron Washington get one of these manager jobs and get another chance because he's a great baseball man. And I think he, like some of these older managers now, are buying in to some of the analytics guys, but also having a feel and a pulse that if, if, it's, if it's working, why the heck pull somebody? And that's what I loved what – you know, Brian Snicker said about Charlie Morton in game four, he said, right now I got it mapped out. I'd love for him to get me four innings. Mm -hmm. He said, but with that being said, if he goes four innings and 50 pitches and he's dealing, I ain't taking him out. Mm, And and look what happened to me in game four with the Rays, with Colin McHugh, 18 pitches, two innings, and they took him out. And it's like, you can't wait to get him out to get somebody else in. And I, I will always believe the more that gate opens and the more pitchers that come in, that eventually someone's going to give it up and they're not going to have it. You bring in six, seven bullpen guys. And so I think they've done a good job with that, with the shifting, but they're athletic too. And so they've been able to make plays and with the pitching, the Braves have Max Freed, Morton, these are ground ball type guys, you know, really plays into their favor. You mentioned Freddie Freeman a little bit, obviously he had the big hit in the, uh, the series against Milwaukee is he, I mean, he has to resign with the Braves, doesn't he, Jeff? I, I, I mean, I know I'm at, look, I, I'm at, I'm asking a former player this, but I, yeah, I, I just can't imagine it's such a perfect fit. There's some guys that just seem to fit the team, the city, the environment and, and vice versa where the team seems to fit them. It, it just seems so obvious. I, I agree. And there actually was a funny meme down here with a Brinks truck and Alex Antopoulos' face on the side of it, pulling up to Freddie Freeman's house, you know, which I thought was great after that home run, because it was, I mean, that was a moment that you talk about facing the best closer in baseball 
in, in a in a huge game, massive moment. I was saying on the broadcast, guys, I thought it was almost a must win for the Braves. Yes, they had Max Freed for a game five, but the idea of going back to Milwaukee and facing Corbin Burns, yep. you know, mm-hmm. the, the momentum would have really shifted. So the idea that Freddie kind of just on that swing put the city, put the team on his back, I, I thought was huge. And I think it'll get done. You know, it just sometimes takes longer than you want. But when you look at certain guys, I remember thinking, you know, Derek Jeter, even Chipper Jones, you think of Freddie Freeman in that, hey, he should have one uniform his whole career. And, you know, I think that that's kind of the feeling here both ways. I just think it's going to take a little bit, you know, but I think it'll get done. Jeff, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, thanks, guys. Look forward to it. Take care. That's Jeff Francoeur, MLB postseason analyst with TBS, Braves TV analyst as well. I, l- I love that that line. But the more the gate opens up, the more a chance of a mistake being made. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just don't think Brian's got as many options to go to. Like he's got he's got three big time starters: Morton, Freed, and Anderson. Mm. he's got a, if two of those Morton and free don't go seven innings, he's in trouble. Like you, they're just, their bullpen, you know, is the wild card in that. And on, on that staff. I, absolutely. Well, yeah, the, the two, the two big guys have to take it and run with it. They have to give them length and quality. And then Brian's got to figure out how to win the other games and to do it with a bullpen. That's why I asked him about who's the fourth yeah. starter. You know, Chavez is going to be the guy that's, that's starting for you in a, in a game four. I that it's just a lot to ask, you know, when you don't have tons of quality. Will Smith is is a, a big sort of X factor when it comes to that back into that bullpen because it, it's just it's never easy for him. He's left-handed, doesn't throw very hard. He he uses his slider way too much. Tom Glavin said that. He when he overuses the slider and it's not working, then what's he gonna do? He throws 94, he's left-handed. Mm. It's just that he can't, you know, here it is, see if he can hit it kind of thing. He's got to set that up and just a lot going into it, so that's you know, that puts a lot more pressure on their offense. That puts a lot more pressure on their big two guys in the in the rotation. And if the, the two big guys for me don't step up and and give them seven innings, it'll be real tougher uh, than to win that series. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say you almost you almost feel as if one of those guys, whether it's it's Freed or Morton, you almost feel as if one of those guys has to go seven, seven and a third, seven and two. Yeah. You need length out of one of them. Uh, I don't think you can play the game four innings or third time through the lineup with those guys. I, I, if one of them is going, I think you, you you give that guy a leash and you get as much as you can out of him and, and then essentially try to limit the number of times, as as Jeff said, you got to limit the number of times you're going to be going to your third or fourth option in the bullpen. You really do. You have to figure yeah. out a, a way around that. And if one of those guys gives you seven and a third or seven and two thirds or, hell, I don't know, eight, chances are you're either winning the game or it's really close, then I then I think that sets you up. Like To me, that, the, that first game, the first game or the second game, that will set up the series for the Braves. One of those two guys comes through seven and a third, seven, two thirds, They've got a shot at winning one thousand percent, and you got to remember too. Luke Jackson is their right-handed option out of the pen, and their their other main options are left-handed. Yeah. So Brian Snicker is trying to match up. Now the guys throw high velocity, and they can pitch into righties, and they can See? eliminate some right-handed lineups. But against the Dodgers, like you're throwing a bunch of lefties against some yeah. right-handed dominant lineups of of the Dodgers, and it's 
Like you, you, that, that just puts a ton of pressure on your defense, your base running, your offense to score more runs, to take a little pressure off of Brian Snicker, to, to not have to make the right choice all the time. And then Ian Anderson could be sort of, you know, that, that guy that too has to give him some kind of link to, to, to take a little bit of pressure off the, the guys that they have to go through, to in the bullpen. It'd be no. interesting to see how Brian handles all of that. Cause it's a lot. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I mean, if if you want to if you want to compare teams against lefty relievers, uh, the the uh, the Dodgers, as you say, uh, or, or the Dodgers have actually lefty relievers have done better against the Dodgers than they have against the Giants. But we're still talking a 450 ERA, right? Like it's still yeah. it, it's it's still it's still difficult. If you look at some of the numbers, though, you know, you almost think that it that that. Uh, if you're the the Braves, you would you would almost rather face the Dodgers. The, you know, the, Bra- the Braves hit Scherzer, Bueller, and Urias pretty well, certainly compared to Webb, Gossman, and Wood. Uh, I mean, the numbers are staggering: the slugging percentage and and the uh, weighted OB uh, on base average. The number the the differences are staggering. It's a, it's a, it's almost like if you're the Braves, you're going into this. You you got three starters that you're going to weigh on. When in doubt, give them a little longer leash. You, you you don't want to lose the series because you go to a guy you really weren't confident in going to. You'd rather give you'd rather lose it with Anderson, Freed, and Morton than yeah. to go to an arm out of the bullpen that you just are really do we really want to go to him? This is not really the time to go to him. We don't feel comfortable going to him. Well, when in doubt, give that starter a little longer leash and hopefully they do that. But if you're a Braves fan, you hope the lineup hits a bunch of home runs and scores a bunch of runs and takes all the the guesswork out of it. Yeah, that would be the yeah that that would be the the, the obvious the and obvious. Home, I, I, and home I, field advantage against the Dodgers might be a big deal this time around. Like that yeah. home field advantage, you know, we've seen that in this playoffs. Is you 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 even hear the younger guys like Logan Webb talks about that. Thank goodness he's doing this at home instead of on the road. That's a big deal to him. You gain you, your adrenaline. You you gain a little with that. You you know he's a sinker ball guy. Do you really want that extra couple of miles an hour? But maybe he's a he's a different arm angled sinker ball guy. Maybe the velocity doesn't mean really mean a whole lot. So if he got an uptick in that, that'll give him a little lenience early in a game to get through some a couple of guys early in games just because he has that adrenaline coming out of the bullpen. So. It's 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 fun to hear Jeff talk about it. It's fun to hear these managers talk about how they're going to go about attacking each one of these lineups and what the approaches should and shouldn't be. Yeah, and you pointed out in your question to uh, to Jeff about how Jock Peterson and Rosario are used in this series. Yeah. That, yeah, that that's that's going to be massive. Jock, Jock's not a starter for me. I, I know he probably will be with Solaire, depending on how the COVID thing going. You know, the little time off here may help that. That that may be a, a benefit for the Braves, but you know, the, the just having that threat and having the opposing manager have to work around Jock Peterson. Do you walk him? Do you pitch to him? Just that threat of, you know, giving him a, something else to think about is a big deal for me, especially this time of the year. I wonder, too, if you're Jock Peterson. Do you feel you might have something to prove to the Dodgers? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Is he an elite player? I mean, he's hit a bunch of home runs to playoffs. You know he 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 embraces that. I think he really likes the 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 sort of I'm expected to get a big hit and only one big hit. Yeah, he embraced that. I've talked about that. I tried to do that when I was a player with Dusty with the Reds. You got to embrace it. It's not about routines. It is to some people who do it. 
consistently year after year after year. But for Jock Peterson, you know, you use somebody else's bat. That gives you a little bit of confidence because that guy was getting hits. It's just that little thing that I'm taking his wand to the plate, and now I'm going to get a hit. So that part of it will be interesting to see how the Braves handle that. It uh, it It's going to be a fascinating series, it however, how, however it turns out. Uh, but as I said, the, the history between the Braves and the Dodgers is – I, I've got to think, <clears throat> look, if you're the Braves, you're not going to get picky. But if if you could be the Braves and jump over the Dodgers on the way to the World Series, I think that slays a big, big dragon and if you're, for the Braves. If you're the, in the Braves organization, you're saying we're due to beat the Dodgers. Yes. Sooner or later, we're due. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think back to that series. It was weird, that series last year, because even though they were up three games to one, at no point was I sitting there thinking, okay, this is definitely done. There's something about the Braves last year that didn't. And I don't even know if that's the case this year. There's just something about the Braves that maybe it's in the back of my mind. I know Acuna isn't there. Not having Max Muncy. It's different with the Dodgers. I always think that, you know, the Dodgers don't have their guy. Somebody else will step up. Um, I just, the Braves, I always, I, I, I never really feel, maybe this is, you know, you go on social media when Will Smith is pitching, maybe it's a Will Smith thing. Maybe I just, <laughs> at, in the back of my mind, I know that at the end of the day, if it's four, three, here comes left-hander Will Smith was a 93, 94 mm-hmm. mile an hour fastball and a slider that better be working. Yeah. And guys are lining up at the bat rack and they're fighting each other. Unless the sliders work. Unless the sliders work. <laughs> and in yeah. which case they don't want any, absolutely any part of it, it at all.